0: you know test 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 yes are we on yeah you are. all right hallelujah all right praise the lord good to be back in durant god bless everybody good to see a lot of familiar faces and some new faces that's great good to see uh growth taking place and and uh good to see all these young guys here gay, everybody's growing up man you know hallelujah praise the lord um you know We're in a strange season right now, uh, my wife and I, we're used to being full bore, going into ministry, um, and we are in a season of rest right now, (laughs) and I'm not sure if I like that or not, but (laughs) but we, uh, you know, we uh, were out in New Mexico uh, with the Navajo Indians for about 18 months, I guess, and and uh, the Lord started just kind of letting our finances start to dwindle and, and some changes began to take place out in the ministry and uh, changes were taking place within the, uh, the board of directors over that ministry. And, and uh, all of a sudden we started thinking, hey, are we supposed to be out here any longer? And uh, we put a fleece before the Lord. And uh, this wasn't a quick decision by any means. Um, but, you know, I, I believe that God provides where he guides us. Amen. And I believe that, you know, when we have financial obligations that that we have to meet those obligations. And, uh, you know, as a missionary, when you're being supported by donations from, from people and they start slipping off, might be a sign that, hey, this thing is drying up. Well, we, uh, we put a fleece before the Lord and and asked him to show us if it was time to go or not. And, and we believe it became evident that, that it was time for us to, to leave New Mexico. Um, in the meantime, uh, a friend of mine had called me that is the director of the maintenance department at Christ for the Nations. And wanted to know if I wanted to come back to work. I said no. And <laughs> and, uh, but this was kind of right in the beginning of our you know, really getting before the Lord and saying, Lord, are we supposed to be leaving here? Well, it started to become apparent that the writing was on the wall. And uh, so I, I called him back about a few weeks later and, and said, hey, is that, that position still available? And so it was, long story short, uh, we moved back to Dallas um, around May, I guess it was, end of April. And I've uh, been working uh, down there at the school. Um, And uh, it's been it's been okay. I mean, I I can't say it's my heart's desire to be doing what I'm doing uh, for finances right now, but that's okay because God takes us through times and He takes us through seasons, and we need to learn to be content, as uh, the Apostle Paul said. We learn to be abased in all things, and when we go through trials, when we go through struggles, when we're rolling in dough, when we're not, it don't matter. We should be satisfied and completely at peace with our Lord. And that's, I believe that's where we're at. Um, and so, praise God, we've, we've been uh, attending a fellowship down there. Um, we go to a Messianic fellowship right now. Um, and we are really having a, a great time in the Lord. Uh, we are fellowshipping with uh, Jews and Gentiles alike. Uh, it is an awesome fellowship, uh, very joyous. When the praise and worship's going on, I mean, they got dancing going on all around the sanctuary, uh, flags and tambourines. um, It's just a wonderful time of celebration is what it is. And as we come together as a body of believers, I believe we need to learn to get into that celebration mode. Amen. How many have something to be thankful to God for this morning? Amen. And, uh, and I know a lot of times it's hard to, you know, and I'm not saying we got to be in this emotional state all the time. That's not it at all. But God not only desires, but requires our praise and our worship of him. So anyway, we're, uh, we're just doing a, a season of time right now. And, and uh, I believe God is going to move us into uh, other things that when, when his timing comes along, um, whether that's uh, here or somewhere else, I don't know uh, at this point. Um, I'm sure God will give us perfect peace and a clarity when that time comes along. In the meantime, we're serving him and, and just uh, worshiping the Lord with uh, with joy, uh, thanksgiving, and just lifting up his name. Uh, we, we, Tamara, you know, she's really been struggling because <laughs> she misses playing the piano and all this kind of stuff, which uh, we have not been leading worship. We haven't been preaching or teaching, doing much of anything and and um so it's been kind of interesting and different. But I believe God has got us going on for a season any reason. I was uh, praying I don't know, we set this date up over a month ago, wasn't it? Or maybe 6 weeks something like that and and um you know, over this time I've been Lord, you know, what do you want me to share when I go up to Durant, you know? And, and um, those who know me very well, I'm more a, I'm a pretty spontaneous person. Um, I like to hear the word of the Lord for the moment, you know. I, I mean, I can prepare messages, series of messages, you know, it doesn't matter. But I like to hear what the Lord has for the time, for that moment, for this place in time. And um, I was, I, I've been just praying and praying And my place where I'm at with God right now, it seems like it's just going back and going back to basic things. And um, we've been learning, well, I'll just back this up a little bit. When I was in Bible school, I had a professor that would always start off every class by singing the Shema. Now, is anybody familiar with the Shema? Probably very few people, I would imagine, in this room. I, yeah, my brother down here again. Kyle's got it. I'll figure. Come on up here and sing the Shema for him. <laughs> the uh, the Shema is nothing more than a declaration that there is one God, and it's uh, sung in Hebrew. And it goes something like this: Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And it just declares that the Lord God is God, and that He is one God. In fact, our text today is going to be out of this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I start asking the Lord, what are we going to teach about today or preach about? And I wasn't getting anything uh, solid, but until just recently, I read a book over the last week or two here. I never, I rarely ever promote a book. I'm not, I'm not here to promote a book. In fact, it's not my book. I didn't write it. But I do like, uh, <laughs> I do like reading biographies. I'm not really much on reading six ways how to be a better Christian and, uh, you know, all these kind of things, and they're, they're fine if you read books, that's good. Um, but I do like reading about how God has used somebody. This book is called The Heavenly Man. It's about a pastor, Pastor Yun. He's from China. How many know that the Chinese church has been under persecution, and in 1946, I believe, they declared in China that God did not exist, and therefore put a thumb And they booted Christianity out of China. How many know that the population of China is very large? Very large. I'm getting somewhere with all this. In 1949, I'm sorry, persecution of God's people commenced and the churches have suffered from all kinds of attacks since. By 1958, the government had closed all visible churches. And President uh, Mo's wife, Told foreign visitors, Christianity in China has been confined to the history section in the museum. It is a dead and buried. They squelched Christianity. In the 1970s, a movement began to stir up in China. The house church movement. And somehow believers began to rise up out of the rubble. This church has become very powerful. This pastor, this man who wrote this book, has been imprisoned many times, beaten, starved. He fasted for 74 days with no food or water. That's a miraculous fast, by the way. Do not try that. Nobody can live more than about three days without water, give or take, depending on the body. This was a miraculous fast. It's been documented and proven this happened. He has miraculously escaped out of prison, just like Paul, walking out past guards right out the front gate of a prison and into a taxi cab, listening to the voice of God. Persecution is, is huge in China right now, today even, don't be mistaken. The church you hear about in China on the news is the facade. Anyway, at the beginning of the book, there was a declaration that the church had been squelched by the government. At the end of this book, he says, I continue to have the opportunity to speak in many churches and meetings around the world. And my message to the Western church, that's us, is to get back to the basics. In order to hear again the voice of Jesus speaking to you, <clears throat> the church, by and large, is asleep. That's why I believe it's time to get back to the basics. We're living in a day today when the church is. is in a, in a state of um, apostasy. In other words, people are beginning to walk away and, and, and not care about the, the beginnings, about the doctrines that have been taught to us over the years. It's just something we talk about, something we hear about, something we listen to the radio or Christian TV, whatever it may be. God is looking for a people who will hear his voice and respond to him. He's looking for a people that aren't just going to church and going about their life the rest of the week like, you know, everybody else. He's looking for those who will be a light in a dark place, an example to a fallen people, a help to those in need. Jesus himself said about those who visited him in prison or gave him food, gave him water, speaking about doing kind things for people without expecting anything. He said, if you do this under the least of these, you have done it unto me. So I started asking myself, what are we doing for the cause of Christ today in our lives? And I know many people do great things. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know that in this room there are those who are serving the Lord to the utmost of their ability. And, and seeking God with, with a true heart and a true desire. And praise the Lord for that. I read statistics here and there. And one reason I, I want to get to this message today. I read a statistic some time back. I can't remember exactly the, uh, the amounts, but it, it doesn't matter because it was too high. There was a Paul... And people were asked the question, and we're talking about the church, Christians. And they were asked if they believed that there was only one God. And startlingly, over 70% of the church, I say the church loosely, but declared that they were not certain if there was only one God. Not certain if there was one God. See, we have, our children are being brought up in public systems, public school systems. Uh, The average child, by the time they're about two years old, is already being brought up by someone other than the parents. Be daycare, whatever it may be. And that's due to a social issue in our country. Well, I'm not down on people that do that. It's just, that's just reality. And, um, and so we begin to put thoughts in our children's minds as they go through school about, hey, you know, we have to allow this, we have to allow that. There's other gods, there's Allah, there's Buddha, there's this, that, the other. So it would be natural that, that people begin to think that there could be more than one God. There is one God, one God, and his name is Adonai. That's just Hebrew for God Almighty. God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, the one in the Bible, is the one we're talking about. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God, that he is Lord, when Jesus comes back to bring judgment upon this earth. So today, my thought is this, that, you know, it's time. We, sometimes we need to back up. How many know when you have a football team like the Dallas Cowboys you got to start back in the basics, don't you, Greg? <laughs> you guys got to get out there and start just playing catch for a little while. You know, can you can catch the football? You know, can you block? Let's do the basics of blocking. You know, let's do the basics of running basic plays. Let's forget all these fancy plays because you guys can't even carry a football right now, okay? So it's time to get back... To To the basics. If I had a football team that was, you know, not doing so well, I would back up and say, hey, what's going on here? I don't know what happened to that Texas OU game. (laughs) 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 But uh, praise God. You know, in our spiritual walk, there's times when we need to get back to basics. Basics. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where, where I'm at right now. Um, you know, I don't feel like I've backslidden or anything, but it's time to, you know, regroup, man. Regroup and, and set our eyes upon God. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> Starting in verse 4. You want to stand, that's great. That's a tradition that goes back thousands of years if you didn't know that. It truly is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse five And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in thy house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the post of your house, and upon your gates. You may be seated. You know, what I sang just a minute ago was simply... Chapter 6, verse 4, Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Hear, Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He is one Lord, one God. Back to my professor in Bible school, every class, he would sing that Shema. And I, I you know, back then, I'm like, what is this all about, you know? Like probably most of you. What are you talking about? We don't speak Hebrew around here. But let me tell you something. It began something in my heart. It it was stuck there. And while I was at Christ for the Nations, I I began to just absorb something I never intended to absorb. And that was the fact that this Bible has Hebrew and, and Jewish roots that are rarely spoken of in the church. And, uh, you know, and I'm not saying we all need to attend a synagogue or anything like that. I'm just saying that the basics, the foundations of the Word of God are right here. In the typical Jewish home, if they were at all following God, even to the minor degree of all they ever did was maybe go to a bar mitzvah and, and maybe uh, go to church occasionally at the major feasts. Somewhat like Christianity when everybody shows up for Christmas and Easter. Okay? But even the very basics of a religious activity, a Jewish person is going to know this scripture. If anything else, they will know this scripture out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Why? Because it's a foundational scripture. It's a foundational truth. It's a foundational word that came via Moses through God. If you recall, let's back up in history just a moment. Moses received the Ten Commandments from God, is that correct? And then they wandered in the wilderness for some 40 years, give or take, okay? What happened during that time? Moses brought the law of God, he brought it to a stiff-necked and rebellious group of people who God said, this generation will not pass in to the land that I promised, And so Moses brought this word of God. He brought the word from the Lord. He brought the written word. And now what we find in this particular scripture is Moses has been given an overview. Joshua's there. They're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And Moses will die soon after this particular time in history. He's giving an overview to the new generation. He's saying, don't forget that we serve one God. Don't forget that we serve Adonai, that we serve the one who brought us out of slavery and out of bondage. Don't forget that the promise that comes from him is that if you do these things, then it will go well with you. Amen? Amen? And so, here's this overview going on right now, and, and he just blurts out, hear, O Israel, hear Christians, hear believers today, there is one God, one God. Well, Pastor Larry, I thought that we believed in a trinity. We do, but it's one. I'm going to go into just a little bit of teaching here about the trinity, because I think that, by and large, the body of Christ believes that we believe in the Trinity. But I think often that we don't really have the basis of understanding to really tell that to somebody. To really say, you know, I know that because it's written. Or do we know that just because we were brought up with it? Or do we know that just because preacher so-and-so said so? You know, what we need to understand and know is that this is Scripture, that it's not just some idea that some theologians thought up and said, oh, let's believe in the Trinity. No, there is Scripture, there is prophecy, there is all kinds of backup of this. We're going to go into just but a couple of examples. If you would, let's, let me get my notes. I haven't even looked at them yet. <clears throat> let's go to Exodus chapter twenty. Verse 3, real quick. How many is familiar with Exodus 20? That should be something that is written in our heart. If you went to Joshua House, you should have that in your memorization. Amen? Ten Commandments. 20 verse 3 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Here we are talking about hero Israel, the Lord God is one. Amen. Now let's turn to uh, um, Matthew chapter 3. We're going to go into some things real quick. We're going to paint a picture here to show how the Trinity and God are one. You know, there's a lot of religions out there. Chapter 3, verse... uh, 16 and 17. Here we have John the Baptist getting ready to baptize Jesus. And, man, you got to understand that, that this, this point in time is a pivotal time in the life of Christ. See, Jesus, if you recall, he was raised up in a Jewish home, by the way. He went to Bar Mitzvah and was circumcised on the eighth day and And all these things that went along with, uh, with Judaism. But there was a prophecy about Jesus. And right here is a fulfillment of prophecy that takes place. Now listen. Prophecy was, you know, it could have been a thousand years prior to this event. And so when things are fulfilled in that way, you know what? It's something we ought to take a look at, take a close look at. We're going to see a revelation here of the Trinity right here in this this particular passage. Starting in verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and, lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And, lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my Beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We have just declared in this short passage of Scripture the triune nature of God. We have declared that there's a Spirit of God, because why? It says, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Okay? So that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God. And lo, a voice from heaven. Well, who do you think that is? God the Father. Okay? And this is my son, whom I am well pleased. So he's declaring what? That Jesus is his son, therefore being the son of God. Now, what we need to do with this scripture as we begin to absorb it, is go back and look this over and begin to digest it. Begin to study these scriptures. You know, when you get home, take a look at it again. Because, you know, I don't know if you've ever talked to anybody that's not sure about God, and you start talking about, well, I believe there's a trinity, and you start trying to explain it. Well, that's all good, but it's good to have scriptures to back it up. It's good to say, you know, well, let's let's go here to, you know, do you remember when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus? There is the declaration of the trinity. See, these are the things that as believers that I think we know in our head, but oftentimes... We don't really have the means to describe it, to show it, to prove it to people who are searching. I can assure you that Muslims are going to be able to take the Koran and show you why they think all infidels and Christians ought to be annihilated. It's written. They'll show you where. Mormons are going to show you where and why they believe certain. Th- Every religion out there. It's going to be able to show you. But as Christians, it almost seems like, you know, we are taking these things too lightly. That we have not absorbed them into our heart and therefore have hard times describing. Now, this is not everybody. I know that. And uh, what I'm trying to do is encourage us that, you know what, we need to understand and believe the basics and get them into our heart. Chapter, uh, let's go to John chapter 10 real quick. John chapter 10, verse 30. Here's another scripture that Jesus is equal to God. He says, verse 30, I and my father are one. I and my father are one. I don't know about your Bible, but mine's written in red letters, which means what? That Jesus said that. It's a a quote of Jesus. Jesus. And uh, here we are. You know, Jesus is is answering to the Jews of that time. He says, "I told you, and you did not believe me. That I do, that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me, but ye believe not because you are not my sheep." And he's he's talking to the Jews of the day. He's talking to the religious people. He's not talking about. We're not talking to Gentiles here who are not believers, who are not believers in, in God, but he's talking to those who are supposedly believers. He said, I, look, I tell you these things, and it's written, I've proven to you over and over, but yet you don't believe. Why? Because it was outside of what they were being taught by tradition. See? Now, tradition can be good, and it can be bad. Some traditions are good. Standing up and hearing the Word of God, that's a good tradition. There's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, that goes back to Moses' time when he was reading the Word. In Jewish circles, it's very common that you stand and read the Word during a portion of the time. Let's go to verse, uh, chapter, Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Acts 5, verse 3. We're going to look at another one. How many remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Now, there's a great story that if you'll put in your memory bank, hey, there's another place where the Trinity can be talked about, where particularly the Holy Spirit. If you recall, Ananias and Sapphira bought a piece of land and... Um, They held something back. Now, Paul explained, hey, it was your land. You could have done what you wanted to with it. He didn't say that the problem was that you withheld some money. The problem was that they lied about it. Is that right? Now, if you take a look at this, Let's start here at verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, here we go. Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not your own? and after it was sold was it not in your power why have you conceived this thing in your heart thou hast not lied unto men but unto god now the point i'm trying to make here first peter or paul says you know you lied to the holy spirit you lied to the holy spirit and then at the bottom he says You've not lied unto men, but unto God. So he connects the fact that God and the Holy Spirit are one. Here's the point. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, three distinct beings, three distinct personalities, three distinct purposes, yet all equated as one. We've just read in three different passages what's what ties this all together? Now, I'm a, this is an old, old story. Maybe some of you have heard of it before. But I like it because it's simple, and it's a good explanation. But how many have ever eaten a piece of cherry pie? I like cherry pie. It's good. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if you were to cut a piece of that pie, a nice big wedge of it, and hold it up sideways and look at the profile of it, you would see three distinct characteristics of this pie. You have a crust, right? You have the cherries all mingled all up in there, and then you got the red gooey stuff. Yeah? Now, if I took that piece of pie and scraped out all the gooey stuff and just stuck the cherries in there, and handed you a piece of pie and said, here's some cherry pie, you'd look at me like, that's not like any cherry pie I've ever seen. That looks like a bunch of cherries inside a piece of crust. Okay? Or, I could take the cherries out, just put the gooey stuff in there, and hand you that piece of pie, and you'd say, no, I don't think so. That ain't no cherry pie I ever saw. I'm not going to eat it. Or, You could put a blob of cherries and gooey stuff in a bowl and say, here's a piece of cherry pie. And you're going to say, no, that's not cherry pie. But with all three of them together, I'd hand you that pie and say, wow, that's a nice looking piece of cherry pie. Why? Three parts. But one thing. You don't relate it and say, oh, there's some nice crust. Hey, that crust is awesome. You know. Oh, well, I like the gooey stuff. Yeah, give me some of that gooey stuff. You'd be like, what? You know? No, but you have three parts to this cherry pie, but yet you relate it as one. God is the same thing. If we relate to God without realizing that the Holy Spirit is holy, that the Holy Spirit is as much part of God as Jesus is the Son of God, as he is much part of God, as the Holy Spirit is part of Jesus, and it all ties together. Do you see what I'm getting at? And as believers, we have to come to an understanding that this triune being, who we call God in a general sense, Adonai, creator of heaven and earth, is one God, yet three distinct parts. We can't, oh, well, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit well, you just said, I don't believe in the gifts that God has given us. Well, I don't know about this being led by the Holy Spirit. Well, you better believe it. It's written. The book of Acts is very clear. You know, think about Peter giving a message to thousands of, of people at one time, okay? Remember, 3,000 people got saved in one time, right? This was after what? Pentecost. Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the believers, right? See, God had taken his son, put him on the earth for a period of time, he was crucified in our place. We're the ones that deserved it. Then he rose again. He, he walked on the day on the earth for some fifty days, making himself an example, and and people saw him. That's why the testimony of people about Jesus is so powerful because they saw him. Do you know that in a court of law today, one of the most powerful pieces of evidence is testimony? Yeah, right. In fact, what do, you, you, do you swear to tell the truth and the whole truth? You know? Testimony is the most powerful tool that a prosecutor or a defense could have. Eyewitness. These people were eyewitnesses to Jesus after he'd been crucified in a tomb for three days and walked again, had breakfast by the sea, said, yeah, look at these scars. It's me. And he told his disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem until power comes from upon high. When after that day of Pentecost, I could go into all the Jewish timeline and meaning of all this, but we don't have time because we'd be here for three days. But let me tell you, this was God's plan. It was God's plan from the beginning, and it was God's plan now. The Holy Spirit came upon these men and empowered them. Peter preached 3,000 people got saved later on just the shadow of Touching somebody was healing them. The power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, that same power is here today. That same power lies upon believers today. <laughs> Back to this, this pastor here that I just talked about in this book. Many occurrences of the Holy Spirit leading him because he was listening. Now, if we just spend our time not pursuing God, but pursuing religious activity, well, you probably won't be led by the Holy Spirit much. Why? Because we're not pursuing it. Right? If I want a piece of that pie, guess what? I'm going to have to go down and get a piece of it. You know? Now, your wife can bring you that piece of pie and set it right there and give you a fork and some coffee and ice cream. You know? And Don't forget all that. But who's responsible? She can't make you eat it, can she? You know, it might be the best pie in the world. And you're not going to eat it unless you want to. I'm going to tell you something. Today, the power of the Holy Spirit is there for us. God's grace and mercy is there today for us. God's deliverance from sin is there for us today. (coughs) See, but unless we reach out and grab it, guess what? You're not going to taste of it. You're not going to see it. You're not going to hear it. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, you've got to get in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be a godly man, you've got to get into the Word of God that teaches you how to be a godly man. If you want to be a person that says that is a light... In a dark place, guess what? You've got to be in the Word of God. You've got to pursue these things. And and I think oftentimes in the church today that, that we're being so taught just to show up for church and that's it. Hello. We have got to pursue God. You know, we, we read the last part of Deuteronomy in chapter 6 and it was talking about... I've got some kind of a ring here. Um, talking about posting on our doorposts and putting a frontlet between our eyes and binding our arms with the word of God. You know, the, the scriptures they're talking about are these foundational scriptures. In fact, on my, on my doorpost, I have what's called a mezuzah. And it's hanging there. And the word of God is in it. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you can't be born again. No, it's just a reminder. And that's what it's for. See, God is after our heart. Even from the very beginning, the law was put into place so that God's people could be in God's presence. Every year there was a sacrifice made. Two lambs were pulled apart, separated, spotless lambs without spot or blemish. One was sacrificed and his blood was spilt. One was set free to go into the wilderness. The scapegoat was the one that was set free. You know, this act pushed forward the sin of Israel for one more year. Every year they did that. It wasn't for what had already happened. It was for the coming year, see, to be in God's presence. All those rules, all those laws, all those things that the Israelites had to do without a righteous heart, without a heart that was pursuing God, it was of vain. God wasn't interested in sacrifices. He was interested in a person's heart. That's right. Today is no different. Today, God is after your heart. Today, God wants a people that will pursue him. We're living in times today that are unlike any time ever. Generation after generation has gone by since the birth of Christ, since The Garden of Eden. Generation after generation after generation. There are things taking place today that would say, you know what? The end is near. There are things that took place a generation before us that said, you know what? The end is near. Before that, before that, before that. The apostles fully expected Christ to return within their lifetime. You know what? It may happen within our lifetime and it may not. But I know this, God has not changed, and He wants a person that pursues Him with their heart. Let's turn over to, we're going to wrap it up here in a minute. Uh, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. You know, Jesus was asked a lot of questions in his day. A lot of questions were intended to try to trick him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people of the day would ask him questions and try to trip him up. Starting in verse 34, chapter 22. But when the Pharisees had heard that He had put the Sadducees to silence. They were gathered together. (laughs) See, you couldn't trick Jesus. Why? He's the Son of God. Jesus was there at creation. Jesus was there when Moses walked off that mountain with the Ten Commandments. See, you're not going to trick Jesus. But they were trying. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, ooh, Asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus being a good, brought up in a good Jewish home here. You know, any Jewish boy could answer this question, really. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. I wonder where he learned that. Shall we back up to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4? See, this was memorization scripture. This was what we were brought up with. This is the foundational teachings. This was in the mind of every one of them Pharisees and Sadducees had it in their mind. Every Jewish person on the face of the earth at that time had that in their mind. Every Jewish person today who's grown up at all with any religious activity, I say, will know that scripture. It's foundational. Jesus goes right back to it. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all... Of the law, and the prophets. So, (laughs) Jesus said a mouthful. He shut them up too, by the way. Well, in a way, they got ready to stone him after that. Let's read on just a minute. (laughs) Let's see. Actually, no, that's not where I was thinking of. That's okay though. I'm going to bring this up to a kind of a conclusion here. You know. As believers, there's certain things that we have to understand and know. And I I know I'm I'm just scratching the surface. This is probably old news to a lot of folks. But I think that the days and the times that we live in today, it's time that we really grab a hold of why we believe what we believe. It's, it's time to say, you know what, I believe in the Trinity because I know that when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, there was a, an exposition of the Trinity, that there was a proof. And I know that, I know these things because it's written. Not just, you know, we, we've got this, well, thank you, Jesus, I'm born again. You know, and praise the Lord, hallelujah, he's gracious to forgive our sins. There's not a sin out there that God will not forgive you of right now. You can't do anything bad enough that the blood of Jesus Christ will not cover that sin. And his grace and his mercy endures forever. Mm -hmm. But as a people, as a believer, we have a responsibility to do the things that God has commanded us to do. First and foremost, that's to walk in love. Walk in love and pursue Him with all of our heart, with all of our mind. See, I often wonder, when we're doing certain things in our lifestyle today, is that part of our pursuit of God? Some of the music that we listen to, is that part of our pursuit of God? Some of the movies we watch, is that part of our pursuit of God? Some of the activities we engage in with our girlfriends and boyfriends and boyfriends and boyfriends. Hello? Are we pursuing God? See, He's not after part of our heart. He's after all of our heart. And, and, and you know, are, are we going to be perfect? No, I, I, I know that. I stumble. I, I'm, I'm not a perfect person. At all, by any means. I'm preaching to myself here today. But our heart has to be one after God. Pursue God. Pursue Him in the Word. Let me tell you something, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. The least thing you're ever going to do for the cause of Christ is to show up for church. The most important thing you're going to do is pursue God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That means when nobody's looking. That means when you're going through a dark time. Let me tell you, you read this book. I, 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 wrote, I got about 60 pages into it, and I said, you know what? I got no right to complain about anything ever again for the rest of my life compared to what this man endured for the cause of Christ. Amen. Now, Praise the Lord. I just want to encourage every person here this morning. You know, God loves you so much. And he loves the fact that that you come in fellowship. He loves the fact that you come to hear the word of God and be taught the word of God and to pursue him in corporate worship and in a corporate setting like this. Yes, he loves that very much. But he loves so much when you take that time during the week and you're in prayer and you're reading the word of God. Or you see that person on the street who just needs a hand. Maybe they need a buck. You know, in Dallas, man, there's a guy on every corner needing a buck, you know. And, and you know, there's all kinds of schools of thought on this. I don't mind giving a guy a buck, you know. Yeah, he's probably going to go drink it away. But Jesus didn't ask me to rationalize what he's going to do with that money. A kind act from a believer. You don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going to turn a person at that moment. We don't know when that one kind act. You know, (laughs) we don't know when we're entertaining angels. Amen. We don't know how they're going to be dressed. They'll come in every size, shape, and form. So today, pursue God with all of your heart. Let's just stand up. I just want to pray over you let's just bow our heads for a minute we'll be looking around but if you're here today first and foremost if you're here today and, and don't know Jesus I tell you I want to make an opportunity for you if you're here today and have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior I just want to invite you to come down here and let me pray for you. If that's you, just make your way down here. If you're here today and you know that, you know what? (laughs) My heart is not really pursuing God the way I ought to be. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you recently over the last weeks or days pulling on your heart. If that's you, just raise your hand a minute. If that's you, raise your hand. Amen. 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 See, there's, there, I know there's people here because everybody's the same. I want to pray over this congregation. God has great things, great things for this body. Great things for this place. Great things for every believer. If you're here today and you know that, you know what, God, I have not pursued you how I should be. I have not sought after you with my heart just join in with this prayer. Receive this prayer. Receive it. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pronounce a blessing over each and every person in this congregation. Lord, I pray for those who know that they are not where they ought to be with you. Lord, that there's no man that can bring conviction upon the heart. It's by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit. <laughs> the same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus when he was baptized by John the Baptist. It's the same Holy Spirit that is here in this room today. And he will speak to your heart today. For those who have been struggling in their walk with you, Father, I pray, O oh God, for a breakthrough in their lives. I pray, O Lord God, that there will be a desire to serve you, a desire to get into your word, a desire to pursue you with all of their heart, all of their mind, and their strength. Father, I pray that you would strengthen this body. Lord, as as this time of indecision, this time of not having a a pastor in, in full place, this time of transition, Father, I pray, O oh God, that your hand be upon this body of believers. I pray for the elders in this church, in this fellowship. Lord, that you would guide them with wisdom that comes from upon high. Lord, that decisions will be made through the power of the Holy Spirit and much prayer. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would Pour your spirit out upon this place. That it will be a lighthouse. A city upon a hill. Where the sick are healed. Those in bondage are set free. Father, we glorify your name today, Lord. And I tell you. If there's anyone here, if that was you today and the Holy Spirit was just tugging on your heart, I encourage you to pursue him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray a blessing over this congregation. Lord, that your face would shine upon each and every one here. Lord, that you would bring peace into every household. Lord, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. And Father, we praise you today. We glorify you and we thank you, Father, for your presence in this place today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Bless you. Isn't that a great word? Amen. Yeah. You know, we've had two important words in the church, and one was. A-